Hello, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I'm so glad that you are here to receive the Word of the Lord for 2024. This is a prophetic message that just came to me by download from the Holy Spirit, and I really want to get it to you as quickly as possible so that you can release your faith upon it and run with it not only into the new year, but throughout the new year as well. We're going to begin in Acts chapter 24. And the Lord showed me that the prophetic key to 2024 for many is found in the 24th chapter of the book of Acts. And I tell you what, even before the Lord was speaking to me, I knew it was right around this area, uh, dealing with the latter years of the apostle Paul's life and the Holy spirit just opened the whole thing up and the whole download came in about five minutes. But I want to uh, build this out and share this with you now at this time, praise God. So we're in Acts chapter 24. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly father, we thank you that the enemy will not steal this word from your people. Father, this word came from you from the throne room of heaven. And I thank you that as your people hear it and receive it, there will be a performance of the word. I know they're going to release their faith upon it and they're going to believe it. And that, that that's very disturbing and unsettling for the enemy. But father, we know that's just uh, too bad for the enemy that the church is moving forward, that your people are breaking forth. So father, we thank you. Let this word come forth in a clear, understandable way. And we thank you, Father God, that the birds of the air that Abraham fought off in a prophetic image, that the birds of the air will not steal the seed. They will not steal the word. We give you praise that this word is going to bear forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise God. Now, if you believe for the 100-fold return, say, I believe. Praise God. Now, Acts chapter 24, let's actually begin in verse 24. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. My friends, we see here Felix, uh, Felix and his wife Drusilla coming to hear what Paul would have to say. Now, we do know that Paul is in a prison type situation, but for Felix and his wife, this is uh, to them like entertainment. You know, it's not like back in the ancient world, they had movies or they had things that could go out. You know, there were plays and theatrical events and things like that. But, you know, uh, in many ways, life could be pretty boring back then. So they thought, well, we've heard all about this guy, Paul, and uh, let's just go see what he says. And uh, his wife now is going to come along, and she's Jewish, and uh, they think, well, maybe this will be some fun entertainment. Well, it turns into a lot more, of course, than just entertainment. Now, Felix actually used to be a slave, and he had a brother. He and his brothers uh, uh, and his other brother were slaves, but when they served, there was something about their demeanor that the Caesar liked, and that would be Claudius Caesar. And so having seen these two brothers perform very steadily 
and showing good, very good servant skills, he actually takes Felix and promotes him to be over the area that we would know here as, as Israel. And he is empowered with the authority and the backing of Rome and the Caesar to run what should be a smooth operation. But my friends, it was anything but history does not leave a good recording about Felix, not only in the Bible, but also not even uh, in the secular historical records as many uh, scholars of that day wrote about him, that he was a man with a slave mentality who ruled very viciously and he was violent and he was full of lust. And a lot of that was because of the former slave background that he was in, but he never could relate to the people. And he certainly had no heart to serve the people and to be good to them. Matter of fact, he hired assassins to kill Jonathan, the high priest. And that's because Jonathan was given the, uh, we could call it responsibility to report back to Caesar in Rome, how good of a job or bad of a job Felix was doing. And so Jonathan basically was saying, Hey, this guy can't lead. He's incompetent. And I'm going to report back to Caesar all of the blunders and the mistakes he's making, and also the brutal hand that he is uh, enforcing upon the people. And so, because of that, Felix said, well, I'm just going to kill Jonathan, the high priest, and my friends, that's exactly what he did. And then we have Drusilla, who he has as his wife, but we have a problem here also. And that's because Drusilla was the daughter of Herod Agrippa. But she was previously married to a king named Azesus, and he was the king of Emesa, and that was an area in Syria. Well, what happened is when Felix saw Drusilla for the first time, although she was a married woman, that he really desired to have her, but she's married. So what can he do? Well, being the evil, evil and conniving man that he was, he went and hired the leading sorcerer, the leading Satanist of the day. That man's name was Simon the Sorcerer, who many theologians believe is the same Simon mentioned in Scripture. He hired that man to concoct a spell and to cast that spell so that that woman would leave her husband. Now, of course, he's trying to persuade her, but all in all that this thing would work out, well, she will leave him and come over and get married to him. Well, long story short, she did. She left her husband and came over to be with Felix, and they were married. They actually had a son, uh, but their son died uh, over in Italy, and very interesting because he died when the famous eruption of Mount Vesuvius took place. And that, of course, uh, wiped out several cities, the most famous being the city of Pompeii. So just knowing about Pompeii and knowing that their son was there uh, is not a good indicator that he's living by any means a righteous life. Pompeii, by the way, when it was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius, had energy released against it. When that volcano erupted, it released 100,000 times the thermal energy 
of the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And it carbonized people completely in place. It, of course, it baked all of their internal organs, fried everything on the inside. But there were people that were literally like carbonized in movement. They were frozen instantly as that blast of hot air and gas just roared through there. They never saw it coming. And it killed thousands upon thousands of people. But you have to remember, Pompeii was the world's leading decadent city. It was what they would have called the modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. There was no other city in the world like it. There were frescoes and artwork and every single thing was centered on pornography and sexual immorality. Everything, uh, uh, I, I won't say Google it, but if you do Google the artwork of Pompeii, it's all pornographic and it's obscene, even goes into areas of bestiality. It was one of the most vile cities on the face of the earth. And of course, that's where their son was at. He got killed. And some people, some theologians even suspect that the mother was there also, that Drusilla was there and she also died in that uh, eruption. Wow. Praise God. My friends, it's very very dangerous to be on the devil's turf. What I mean by that, I'm not talking about like a physical planet or physical terra firma, but I'm talking about you're not living right. You're not saved or you're not walking with God. Uh, I tell you what, uh, tragedy can strike at any moment. And unless you're in covenant with God, uh, you could go down like all the others do. The covenant will exempt you from the traumas and even the horrors that sometimes the world faces because the devil has no conscience. So my friends, you always want to walk with the Lord again. Verse 24, after some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla again, Felix ruling over the area came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. By the way, you do know that the Jews need Jesus just like anybody else who's lost and not saved needs Jesus. We see that Paul said in the book of Romans chapter one, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So you have to believe it to receive it, okay? For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Well, the Greeks are what we would uh, call the, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. They, of course, need salvation, but the Jews need salvation also. And in Romans the same book, of course, Romans chapter 11, verse 28, Paul said concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Now, some of you uh, who have not been to Israel, you don't realize that it's actually illegal to evangelize in Israel. Now, when we go to Israel, we don't evangelize, although I will at any time, any moment, talk to anybody who's open and wants to know and who's asking me about it. But if you just try to go out and start evangelizing things like that, that's against the law. You can get in trouble pretty quick. But here we see that it says concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Now watch this, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. What does that mean? Does that mean that Jews get a free ticket to heaven just because they're Jews? No. What that says is that concerning the election or God's choice. In other words, God made a choice 
beginning with Abraham and his descendants, and he loves them. And so concerning the election, they are, or God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God will never change his mind. He made a covenant with Abraham. It's not a covenant of salvation. It is a covenant of blessing. And if you want to come into salvation, the only way that you get that is through God's son, Jesus Christ. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Praise God. So yes, Jews need Jesus. They need salvation just like anybody else. Well, Pastor Stephen, I thought they go to heaven just because, no, 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 no more than Jeffrey Epstein, who was a Jew, gets a free ticket just because he's Jewish. No, you can't run around and do awful things and horrible things and say, well, because of my forefathers. No, no, no. Abraham was justified in the eyes of God. Why? Because of his faith. Woo, praise God. So you have to have your faith and trust in God. And to do that, you must put your faith and trust in God's son. Woo, who paid the penalty for sins for whoever believes in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the way, that's why Paul was preaching to the Jews. Why? Because they needed Jesus just like everybody else does, which is why we're also on the air three times every single week broadcasting on television out of Bethlehem, Israel. That, that signal can be picked up all over Israel. It can be picked up over the Gaza Strip. It can be picked up over uh, in the areas that go further south. It can be even picked, over, picked up over in the Jordan area. Hallelujah. We're taking it to the Jews. We're taking it to the Greeks. In other words, the Gentiles. We're taking it to the entire Arab world. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, let's continue on. With our study here in the book of Acts, we're going back to Acts chapter 24. You're going into the year of 2024. And in verse 25, we see now as he reasoned. Now watch how Paul reasoned. Now, as he reasoned about number one, righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. <laughs> Okay, so Felix and his wife are kind of like walking in. First of all, they're living in adultery. And, you know, he's, a, he's a, like a brutal guy, really rough around the edges. But he's still an authority. So he's a dignitary. He is a ruler. But he's like here to see the circus show. He's here to see the famous guy, Paul. But the next thing he knows, he has been caught in the crosshairs and Paul. Now, notice this. Paul is not preaching forgiveness of sins. No, no, no. That's later. He'll get to that later. But the first thing he's got to do is what? He's got to get them to realize you're not right with God. You know, that's the thing. So many people, even Jewish people that don't know Jesus, they think they're okay as long as their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds. But my friends, the Bible says that the righteousness or the goodness of man is as filthy rags in the eyes of God. There is nobody good enough to make it to heaven. All have sinned, not some, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God. God, a, a sinner 
has no more chance of getting into heaven than a snowball thrown into the erupting Mount Vesuvius when it blew sky high. No, 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 no. You're never going to make it. The standard of holiness of God's purity and holiness is so high that you need somebody to deal with the sin problem. And that was Jesus Christ who made atonement for the sins of mankind through his sacrificial death, burial, and mighty resurrection. Praise be to God forever for the whole world needs Jesus. He's the answer. Can you say yes? And amen. And Paul starts driving in on that. And they, they were like, what did we walk into? And he's not letting up. He starts to reason about righteousness, that only God is righteousness. And when you disobey the laws of God, you sin and you separate yourself from God. And the reality is that all of the world has sin. The only one who didn't was Jesus who lived a sinless, pure and spotless life. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, Woo, praise God. And we need to still reason with people along that line. See, when you try to start talking to somebody that doesn't know God, maybe they've never been in the church their entire lives, they do what almost everybody does. It, and it comes down to this. And I've talked to people that are Hindus. I've talked to people that are in Islam or all the different isms of religion around the world. And they all think they all think as long as their good deeds outweigh their bad deeds, they're going to make it to heaven, whatever heaven is or wherever it is. But it's, it doesn't work like that. When you become a Christian, the righteousness of God is imputed into you, giving you right standing with God. But that's not imputed into unbelievers. Woo, my goodness. So he begins the reason about righteousness because why everybody's broken the law. Everybody has sinned, but so often they think, well, I'm not that bad, but, but that sin qualifies a person to be separated from God for all eternity and to righteously receive punishment for it. Why? Because the laws of God have been broken. Okay, so he begins to reason about righteousness, self-control, another one that's just a total gut punch to Felix, self-control, this is the man that stole the wife from another man, and this is the man that hired assassins. There's actually a special knife <laughs> uh, that these assassins used because it was so effective in killing somebody quietly that uh, they named a knife, uh, at, you know, that's how this knife got named by these assassins. But he's the one that, that hired these assassins to do these dirty deeds. So when he starts talking about self-control, he's talking to a man that has very, very little of it. You have uh, shadows of Ahab who coveted another man's property and wanted another man's garden and was willing to murder in order to get it. Well, his wife did the murdering Jezebel, but he was like that. He's like, if I want it, I'm going to get it. And so there's no self-control. So he reasons about righteousness, self-control, and one that really began to un, uh, unloosen him on the inside, the judgment to come. The judgment to come that every president will face, every prime minister will face, every homeless person on the street will face. Everybody has an appointment. Well, one day you will stand before God and give account 
of the life that you lived. Now, if you are a believer and you are in fellowship with the Lord, your sins are forgiven, they're washed away. But if you're not, it will be the worst day of your eternity. And those that are not right with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire that burns with fire and sulfur and brimstone for all eternity. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, I just came here to hear the prophetic word. No, you need to hear some righteousness and you also need to hear some self-control and you do need to be reminded that you not as a group, not as a church body, you one-on-one -on -one will stand before the God of the universe, Almighty Jehovah God. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, Jesus is my friend. Yes, but one day you'll get to know him also as your judge. Now, when we're in fellowship with God, that judging is like daily. If you miss it, the Holy Spirit lets you know, and you get right with God. So on that day, you're actually looking forward to it. This is not like something where you're trying to rush at the last minute and get your life right. You try to live right with God every day where you have a clear conscience, not only with God, but also with others. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, Felix, it says, was afraid. In the Greek, that word is very, very strong. He was he was very struck with the reality of this. That's why the King James Version says that he shook. He shook. Why? Paul had him. I mean, Paul had him in the spotlight. Praise the Lord. Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. Not, not only, Paul, do I want you to go away. You and your message, go away. <laughs> go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. How many of you know that right now, as we stand here or sit here or in the comfort of wherever you're at, how many of you realize that Felix is burning in hell? Now, he'll go before the Lord on that final day of judgment. Then it's like going from the frying pan into the fire. You go from hell, which is a holding body in the center of the earth, a spiritual realm where the wicked and the damned go. But then on the great day of judgment, then the final judgment takes place. And all of those who rejected Christ are thrown into the lake of fire, a place so awful. It was never even intended for man. It was intended for Satan and he deserves it. But those that chose to go with him, they're going there also. Mm -mm. So he was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. My friends, when the Holy Spirit is moving through the word of God that is administered, don't think, well, hey, it's not a good time for me. Look, look, you have no guarantee that that anointing will be there later to repent or to make a confession or to get right with God. This is not only like, well, I'll put my salvation off and maybe when I'm old after I've sinned and had a lot of, had a lot of fun as the world defines fun, then maybe at the last moment I'll get saved. Now, we know that's a delusion, but it's also a delusion to say, well, I sense God's visitation. I sense God talking to me. I can tell that God is dealing with me, but now's not a good time. You have no guarantee, first of all, that you're going to have another day or another year or decade to live, nor do you have a guarantee that that same anointing of the Spirit will be there tomorrow or next week or next month. That's why you need to respond today. 
That's why you always need to move in the moment with the Holy Spirit. Something that was an eternal blunder that this man and his wife both committed. They both turned the message away. Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. My, 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 my Lord Jesus, we give you praise. Some things haven't changed too much. Have they? My friends here, we have the eye of Felix coveting after money and hoping that Paul will set up some kind of financial obligation, a bribe where Paul can get some money over to him at another time after Felix would see to it that he gets out of that jail situation. We are told in the word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and beginning in verse 18 that you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twist the words of the righteous. Something happens with your spiritual eyesight where when you take a bribe, there are scales of spiritual blockers that come over your eyes and you're now deceived. Mm-mm. What is a bribe? A bribe is money, favor, or some other consideration given in exchange for one's influence against what is right, true, or just. Giving or receiving a bribe, my friends, is evil. And we see a lot of stories and examples about it in the scripture. Judas received a bribe, 30 pieces of silver. What will you give me if I betray him? Oh, we'll, okay, 30 pieces of silver. We see the soldiers also who regarding the tomb of Jesus received a heavy, heavy bribe by the chief priest who promised them, if you just go along with this made up story uh, about how his body got away from us, we'll make sure we cover it to the higher up authorities in the Roman military. And here, here, take all of this money and we'll make sure that you're covered. Just go along with the lie. What is that? A bribe. What did the soldiers do? They took it. Where, where are they at now? They're in hell burning right now. Mm, mm, mm. We see also throughout scripture that many others were influenced by bribes. Delilah, the one that set up Samson, was bribed by the Philistine leaders to find out the source of his strength, and they gave her plenty of money also to work her, uh, her uh, devious skills. Samuel's sons, the great prophet Samuel, his corrupt sons took bribes also. Even in our uh, dual political parties here in America, Democratic leaders and Republican leaders, even across the board, in many uh, various departments, you know there are those who have taken bribes. They have sold out their country for personal gain and personal interest. Now, they're real good at hiding it. They're real good at 
covering it up. That's part of the uh, slick and smart, uh, dark wisdom of the evil one. But remember, the moment they take it, what happens? There's blinders on their eyes, and you think, how come they can't see it? Because they've taken bribes. And also what they do at times in groups is they, they will pay a bribe to another to come along with them, to go, you know, go along with whatever it might be. You see a lot of this with corporate interest and lobbyists that make full-time residences in D.C. Why? They're there to lobby or even almost in a sense to bribe. <laughs> you got to watch this stuff. And the higher you go, especially like in politics, the higher you go, you will, trust me, you'll receive opportunities to receive bribes. I have a minister that I, that I know, and he's in heaven now. He, his life ended. He lived his life out and died, but he went one time to minister uh, to a professional baseball team, and the baseball team thought that when he came that he would be like a motivator, somebody that's just kind of like a motivational speaker. So he came, and he did do some motivation, but he started getting into the area, watch, watch, just a little bit about righteousness self-control, and I'm not saying he preached on righteousness or self-control, but he did touch some areas that you could say would be like similar to the, uh, Paul's style. And when he did that, one of the multi-multi-millionaire baseball players kind of came up to him and said, hey, he said, look, well, we don't mind if you're here to motivate us and encourage us, but this other stuff, we, we don't want to hear about that. And extended to him a huge wad of $100 bills, real super thick, and pushed it over to him. And you know what the preacher did? He took it and played it real cool, played it real cool. Well, but, but Pastor Stephen, if he didn't take the money, and uh, I'd be, they're not going to invite him back. Yes, it means the door is closed. But what does it mean also? You kept your character. You kept your integrity. Hallelujah. You didn't sell yourself out. They couldn't buy you out. Preachers are tempted all the time to be bought out. One major Christian denomination in America, their leaders, what, what were their leaders doing in Davos, Switzerland, sitting down talking with George Soros and those that so desperately want a global one world government and one world religion, and it certainly doesn't include Christians. What were they doing there? There's a lot of, there's a lot of dirty deeds that happen behind the scenes with crooked, wicked people that are multi-billionaires that say, hey, we, we don't mind what you're doing. Just don't target us and calm it down and and make the Pentecostals look like fools. Do everything you can to come against uh, tongues and miracles. And we'll make sure that in our ways and our abilities, money will go to you. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Hey, these things are in the Bible. Look, they tried to bribe Paul. If they tried to bribe Paul, and he didn't take it. By the way, multiple bribery attempts. Look, you got to learn to stand your ground. This happens not only in ministry. In other words, you could have a wealthy, uh, let's say a wealthy elder, and he loves you. Let's say he's the biggest giver in the church, but maybe he's not too hot 
about laying hands on the sick and praying for their recovery. And he says, look, preacher, hey, we've got a nice established church and uh, we've got a lot of people here and we like a dignified church. And, you know, I, I don't like it uh, that you're doing all of that. As, as long as you don't talk about that, I'll continue to give my tithe. What do you need to do? You need to get people like that out. Preach so hard intentionally that the fire just burns them up and they either convert and repent or they leave or they leave. Praise God. But if you take the money and you don't talk about it, they, they, they own you now. You're bought and paid for. They own you. Woo. It's a horrible place to be a horrible place to be. I, wow. I thank God that I'm free. Hallelujah. I thank God that many, many good ministers are not for sale. Praise God. So we're holding the front lines. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, uh, I was listening to a Christian businessman just uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, he is a tribal leader in his Canadian tribe up in Canada. And he told his people in his tribe, he said, I am sick and fed up with the way that these large corporate entities come into our tribal lands and take what is our inheritance and they're not doing it ethically or legally. So he said, he said, I'm going to work with the government so that we have binding contracts so that anybody that wants to come do business with us and use our natural resources, they're going to have to, they're going to have to pay us a fair price to do it. And we're going to have legally binding contracts. And the people said, you're our guy. Yes, do your thing. And he began to do that. And the people began to prosper. But he said, as the people began to prosper and some of these big giant corporations could not get their claws on the wealth of the natural resources they had, he said, um, he said, bribes began to come to him, opportunities to receive a bribe. He said, one night, midnight, he's sitting in bed. And he got a phone call and the phone rang and basically the voice on the other end, which was a representative of one of the biggest gold mining companies in the world said, Hey, if you just kind of look the other way and let us do our thing, we will wire transfer into your account $36 million. He said, no, thank you. Click and hung up the phone on them. $36 million cash. And they, they, trust me, these big global corporations, they, they know how to do it where they can get it to you where, yeah, it's covered. Nobody's going to know, but God knows. And if you ever take a bribe or you try to bribe somebody, a curse will come upon your life. Be very, very careful. Listen, many of you are going to new heights. Don't think somehow you're exempt just because you talk in tongues and love Jesus. Bribes will come your way. They've come to me. They've come to me. I had, I've, I had a, I had a legitimate bribe one time where a person offered to buy the jet airplane that I wanted for cash. If only, if only everything else is fine, but if only I will do this one thing. I said, no, no, no. I said, I don't make deals like that. And, uh, that was the end of the bribe. Well, pastor Steve, I'm so sorry. You didn't get your jet. Well, then it's not time. And that's okay with me. Hallelujah. I'd rather walk in character and preserve my integrity before God than sell myself for a hunk of aluminum. 
Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's not a temptation for Paul to, uh, you know, give a bribe to somebody because Paul didn't have any money. Oh, really? Now, Paul's locked up in jail, right? Now, watch this. Excuse, excuse me just a moment while I get a drink of some uh, good hot tea. Mm -mm. Woo! That's some hot tea from South Africa. Praise God. That's some good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Think just for a moment about the Apostle Paul. You've heard me uh, talk about this recently in some of my messages that when you have a man of God that's on the forefront, God's hand is on his life. God's anointing and power is on his or her life. Whether it's a man or a woman, whether it's Catherine Kuhlman, or whether it's Billy Graham, or whether it's Or Roberts, or whether it's the Apostle Paul. What happens with anointings like that? Money. Money pours in. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, Paul's in prison. That's all irrelevant now. Uh, don't kid yourself for a moment. One, one letter to Timothy, his spiritual son, he could have all, he could have enough money to pay off Felix or even Felix would think, wow, that's, that's a nice bribe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get, I'm gonna get you out of prison right now. You do understand that Paul's spiritual son, Timothy pastored the church in Ephesus that had over 100,000 members. You got to stop looking at the New Testament church as only like being little small churches, maybe 10 people meeting in a little house church. Yes, there were house churches. Paul even ministered at times in house churches, but there was a mega movement of the Holy Spirit there in Ephesus. And all Paul would have to done is say, Hey, Timothy, need a little help down here. Oh, how much money you need? Ah, just send me $50,000. Got to get this guy off my back and get out of here and get back to what I'm supposed to be doing. Look, you're not for sale. Neither is your anointing, neither is your gifting, neither is your voice, neither are the talents and the, the grace gifts that God has given you. You are not for sale for any price. And Paul refused him over and over and over again. And trust me, he could have got it. He could have, he could have, there's many people he could have written and that money would have been there like that. Anybody with an anointing like Paul, are you, are you kidding me? Whoa, the greatest theologian. In the Bible, outside of God himself, <laughs> no, money flows towards the anointing. So he's in jail. Everybody knows who he is. The church community knows who he is. The believers, the, of course, most of the early church was Jewish. They all knew who he was. They would have rose up and done anything for him. Praise God. But he said no. He said no. So let's continue on with our story. We're moving back very quickly. I'm, out, and I'm about to tell you what the Lord showed me. We're moving back to Acts chapter 24. Praise God. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But, you know, in that conversation, he's dropping little hints like, hey, you know, I've got power. I've got authority. I can, I can open doors for people that want to work with me. Uh, and Paul doesn't go for it. Just stays on the word. Stays on the word. He's not for sale. Now watch this. Here we go. Verse 27. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, what did he do? Left Paul bound. Left Paul sitting there in prison. Wow. I told you he was a real nut job. <laughs> 
He was, he, he was, a, he, can you imagine a ruler who still, his whole mentality is like a slave and he rules from a, a perspective of being cruel and no compassion or anything like that. Look at it again. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. What happened? Word got back to Rome. Word got back to Caesar that Felix is doing an awful job. Nobody likes him. He's, he's way down in the bowls. <laughs> I mean, he's, so, he's polling so low, nobody likes him. He's assassinating people. He's abusing his power. He doesn't, uh, uh, there's corruption everywhere. He's killing people. That got back to Rome, and the Caesar said, all right, get him out of there, and let's get somebody new in there. Now, by the way, he had to go all the way to Rome to give a personal report on, hey, hey, we've heard really bad things about you. What's going on? Guess who stood up for him when he got to Rome? His brother. His brother was still really liked by Caesar, and Caesar listened to his brother and basically did not execute Felix, although he was certainly worthy of that. And if any other person, it had been off with the head. But nevertheless, he is out of there. Now we've got a new guy in, Festus. But what happened before Felix left? He left Paul sitting there. Two years, complete, total downtime. Now this is very interesting because we don't really know what Paul did during that time. You know, it's not like two years just flies by, especially when you're imprisoned. Some people say that possibly he wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, I do believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. He's the only one that had that revelatory knowledge to write a book that, that, is, that is that theologically deep. But I don't think he probably wrote it while he was there in prison. Now, of course, also, if you go to, uh, to the area of Caesarea by the sea, there in Israel, they'll take you to the place where the trial took place with the Apostle Paul, and they'll show you what could have been the prison that he was in, which is underground. Looks, looks like a place nobody would ever want to go into. But I personally don't think that's where he was kept at. Why? Why? Because he was a Roman. He was a Roman, and he has not yet been convicted of guilt. So, it's not like you're going to take a Roman citizen and really rough him up. So they probably put him somewhere else, gave him a little bit of liberty. But the bottom line is still, he's got two years of total downtime. What does that mean? It means no movement, no movement. And he's still got a very important assignment. You could almost like call it the crowning assignment of his life. Now, we know that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But God also had other high watermarks that he wanted Paul to achieve. One of them being very, very special that we'll look at in just a minute. But for two years, it's like all of it is put on the shelf. And it's like he's stuck and there's absolutely no movement. My friends, can I tell you what the year 2024 is? This is what God told me. He said, it is the year of unstuck destinies. You're coming out. You're coming out. Maybe you've been there stuck for two years. Maybe for five years. Maybe, maybe for seven years there has been a dryness. Maybe there was a moment where everything was going great, and uh, you were running smooth, and everything was looking bright and brighter and brighter. But then 
But then it's like the spotlight shifted off of you. Or it's then, watch this, then it was like you went into a quiet season. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Well, Pastor Stephen, what, what could have been the great destiny that he's getting unstuck to fulfill? I'll show you. It's in Acts chapter 27. I'm so glad that you're here because I know if you're still listening, I know that many of you are. It tells me that you're very serious about wanting to accomplish all that God has called you to do. Let me tell you, I feel a deep confidence in my heart, a, a spiritual sensitivity to say, you still got time. You're on track. Well, Pastor Stephen, I feel like I've, I was stuck. I've, I've been like almost like out of it. That's okay. Paul was too for several years. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, maybe God just wanted to let Paul understand that relationship is more important than ministry because Paul would push, push, push so hard. And maybe God just said, Paul, I want you and I to have some special time apart from all of the busyness that you've been running for years and years now, come apart for a while, take a little break. And, uh, and maybe God even had to allow that so that he has that quiet time to refresh and get geared up for the next high mark, which is the destiny mark of his life. Acts chapter 27. And let's go to verse 23 or verse 21. It'll make more sense. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid. Now, why would he say that? Because Paul faced fears just like you and I do. And I'm not saying he succumbed to them, but I'm saying he felt that spirit of fear try to pressure him. You're going to die before your time. You're never going to get it done, Paul. He felt that spirit of fear. And that's why the angel said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. You must be brought before Caesar. And you know what? That can't happen if he drowns out there in the middle of the Mediterranean. Woo! What does it mean? It means he is going to fulfill his high calling. So after two years of sitting in a prison with a total quiet span of his life, we don't even know really what happened, what he did. But he sat there quietly for two years, and he comes out of that, and what's the very next thing that happens? Movement. Where? Towards Rome. Why? To fulfill his destiny, which is what? To stand before Caesar. And most theologians agree that that Caesar was Nero, a man so perverted and wicked he ended up committing suicide. Mm. A man who murdered his family members, murdered even his own mother. Then Paul stood before him. It was the will of God. It was the will of God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. What does that mean? It means God's getting him out of that prison, and God did. And God had a change even of leaders in order to make that happen. And another man came on the scene. Felix is now off the scene. Festus is now 
on the scene. There's a shift happening right now in your life, and you're about to come out of that situation. When you hit January the 1st, 12 o'clock at midnight, 12.01, as you move to 12.01 in the morning, the moment that clock strikes 12, I tell you what, movement begins, and you're getting unstuck by the Spirit of God Himself. 2024 is the year of unstuck prophecies, unstuck destinies. You're going to begin to see immediate movement. Now, if you believe that, lift your hands and say, Lord, thank you for setting me free to go forward out of whatever has held me back. Even if it was you that held me back, Lord, you know, but Lord, I thank you that it's now time to move forward. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the way, there in Acts chapter 27, the following verse, as Paul says to them that he's got to go before Caesar, verse 25, therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. You have to believe the prophetic word that comes from the Lord, whether it comes from Jesus, whether it comes from an angel sent from God, or whether it comes from a prophetic voice that is under the inspiration and the anointing of the Spirit of God, you must believe the word, hallelujah, in order to receive the power powerful manifestation of it. You must believe that 2024 is the year of unstuck destinies, that my destiny is going forth this year with tremendous movement beginning January the 1st. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. And we see that the movement took place. Acts chapter 26 Acts 26, verse 28, uh, of course, Paul was there in Caesarea in prison just a little bit longer, but Agrippa talks to Paul. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to, come a, to become a Christian. Do you ever notice that Paul is still preaching to the uppity up? You know, he was very polite, but you've got to be very strong with people that have a lot of money that have a lot of safety security nets. You got to be very strong with them with the gospel. You have got to preach righteousness, self-control, eternal judgment to come. Why? Because they're so comfortable. They think that they don't even need God. They think they need nothing. But my friends, Paul is not laying back on anybody. He'll preach the same gospel to the person on the street as he would to the king in the palace. Even Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Why? He was at it again, preaching and ministering that strong word. Now, when they're ready, that's when you share about the sacrifice of Christ that forgives sin and washes all sin away. But if you cannot minister the word that brings the spirit conviction, then they're not going to go just for a story about the atoning uh, of, of the blood of Christ. They don't even know what that means. They need to know first that they need a Savior. Praise God. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death and chains. Then Agrippa said the Festus, this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. 
Woo! What does that mean? Well, it means we're going to have to send him to Italy, to Rome, Italy, to stand before Caesar himself. Why? He is a Roman citizen. He has the right to plead his case. Now, that also means that the Jewish accusers, the religious accusers, they're going to go also, and they're going to present their case. But we know that God's with Paul, and Paul's not there to not only plead his innocence, he's going to do that, but he's also there to do what? He's going to go after the big fish himself. He's going to preach the same gospel to Caesar himself. Look, all men, all men and women, when I say men, I'm talking about mankind. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel, present it in a clear to understand way at least once in their life, at least once. And that even includes the Nero's of the world. I mean, I thought it was shocking one time decades back when the wife of T.L. Osborne, Mrs. Daisy Osborne, had a visitation from the Lord, and the Lord told her, I want you to go minister and talk to Idi Amin. When I heard that, I thought, what? Idi Amin, the butcher of Uganda, the man that turned the Pearl of Africa into a living hellhole? But you know what? She went and ministered to him one-on-one to a tyrant dictator. Uh, he was brutal. He, yeah, you talking about you defy him out comes the machete, start chopping, start chopping limbs off. He was, uh, and he was a big wild man. Wow. Wow. But even Jesus wanted him to have the chance, the opportunity to hear the gospel clearly presented at least once. Now what they do with it, that's up to them. Just like it was up to Felix, what he did with it. But I'll tell you what, don't be surprised if you are one of those envoys anointed by God who is sent also to go into a place that only you can go to talk to people that only you can talk to. Well, Pastor Stephen, if, now you know I'm a salesman, and if I dare do that, I might not close the deal. Yeah, and they might go to hell too. You might be the only one who can talk to them. Maybe they'll never watch me. Maybe they'll never watch Christian TV or watch a Christian preacher on the internet. That might be their only opportunity to hear the gospel. And by the way, you might also get the sale because of that, because they have respect that you have character. Even crooks need somebody with character to manage the money. Oh, Pastor Stephen, a thieves den is a wonderful world. No, they, no nobody trusts each other. Somebody has to have integrity because Nothing can function outside of that. You might be just the person they need. You might be just the one that they're looking to work with because they don't trust the other, the other dealers or whatever it might be. Come on, praise God. That's why God will lift you up so you can be a voice. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My friends, perhaps you've been out of season for a long time, but you're coming back in and you're coming back in. On January the 1st, 2024, praise God. And if you want to come back in at uh, 1201 in the morning, come on in. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But whatever, come on. Amen. Look what Paul told Timothy, his spiritual son, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Well, Pastor Stephen, we're always in season. No, no, no. Hold on. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. Nobody, nobody except for Jesus stays under the limelight all the time. And there were even times when Jesus needed to go away and take a little break. 
Praise God. The only people that want to stay under the limelight and be in season all the time are number one politicians. <laughs> Why? They want to be in power all the time. Not all of them, but many of them. They want to be in power all the time, have uh, no term limits, and have uh, no financial spending limits, and, you know, just do their thing. You have others like movie stars. They want to stay in, uh, in the limelight all the time, and they're willing to do anything to do it. And you have pop singers that uh, maybe at one time in their life, they were the most famous person on the face of the earth. But you know what? You get older. What happens? The next person comes up who's a lot younger than you, whether it's a guy or a girl, and they've got it, whatever that thing is. And the next thing you know, you're not there. So what do they do? They fight or try to uh, repackage themselves or, uh, you know, and all these things they do. Why? Because they don't understand the spiritual principle. You're never in the limelight all the time. There's the time you're in season. There's the time, even like the apostle Paul discovered you're out of season. He was out of season for two years and couldn't do anything about it. Mm -mm. You have famous athletes who conquered in their field, whether it was football or basketball or whatever. And maybe at one time, uh, whether it's tennis or whatever, they were the number one player in the world in that, in that particular sport. But what happens? You, you cannot hold on to it. Youth is so fleeting. It's so fleeting. You can't hold on to it, but they don't understand. There's different seasons of life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. My friends, you're coming back into the now season. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you, you, you've done your part. And maybe you've made some mistakes, but maybe you also did a lot of things right. It doesn't matter. It's like no matter what you were doing, it was an out of season uh, season for your life. The season could have been two years. It could have been five, but you know what? You're coming now into your now season and things are going to begin to click like clockwork. Why? Because God's got to get you to Rome to speak to Caesar. Now I know that's technically not you, but prophetically you've got a destiny to fulfill. God knows the time clock is ticking God knows that you're probably not going to live to be 175 like Abraham. <laughs> so he's, he's working with you. He knows. But my friends, the clock is going to begin to move in your, in your favor. And God is unsticking your destiny in 2024. And I'm not talking about in March or in July. I'm talking about the moment that clock hits midnight and you roll into 2024, your destiny becomes unstuck. If you believe I've received this from the Lord, lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I receive this prophetic word of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. What does that mean? It means movement for you. It means for many of you, it will mean some travel. It means freedom. It means fulfillment. Glory to God. By the way, for some of you, it's going to mean quite a bit of travel, praise God. But there's a new level of freedom, a new level of fulfillment, a new level of excitement. Why? It's on. It's happening. The season has changed. By the way, who paid for Paul's trip to Rome? After all, he was a prisoner. 
It's not like you could say, hey, hang on, let me pull out my American Express card and uh, I'll get the upgrade to uh, business class on the slave ship here. <laughs> Who paid for his trip? Caesar did. Caesar did. Praise God. And, of course, on some of those ships, Paul was not traveling alone. There were other, there were other prisoners also that they had to go get tried as well. And that centurion had the authority to commandeer any ship underneath the vast Roman empire that Rome ruled over. And if he walked up and he's used the centurion and he's wearing that armor and he's got, he's got his seal. I tell you what, they could take any ship they want under his authority and his command. Why Rome pays for all of it. Just, you know, they write up some kind of invoice, so to speak, and they'll get reimbursed from Rome. I believe that God is going to give many of you access to the wealth of this corrupt world system. In a sense, it's just like, it's like Moses who paid for his upbringing. The world system did who paid for his mother uh, to take care of him in those early stages of his life when he was still an infant. Pharaoh paid for all of that. And my friends, God's going to work it. Or even the world system, he will work it in a way where its riches begin to flow to you so that you can use it to move the vision forward that God has given you, which is to send the gospel into all the world and to be allied and connected not only with God's kingdom work, but with a specific ministry that you are called to so that that gospel can go through that message that you also connect with back and support. And God's going to call tr cause tremendous wealth to come into your hands. So yes, you'll be comfortable, but you'll also be greatly engaged in kingdom expansion work. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, there are many people watching this message all over the world and they are ready for movement. It's like they've had a spiritual timeout, not because they did something bad. They have to have a timeout, but they had a timeout for reasons only known to you. And they might even be able to pick up on some of those reasons. But Father God, the season has now changed. And just as Paul told Timothy, be ready, whatever the season, I thank you, Father, the season is now for them no longer a time out season, but a time in season. And they're going to begin to move. And it is the time where their, their destinies are now being unstuck. Father, I thank you. Let the anointing of your spirit ride on this word right into their lives, right into their destinies. I thank you for swift movement that with even within the first three months of the year, they will lift their hands and say of a truth. I know that that word came from heaven because of the tremendous progress they will make even within the first three months. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who it was said about him in Acts 10, verse 38, that God was with him. And truly, your people will say that I know God is with me, and this thing is moving now because God is here. We give you praise, Father. We thank you for the quiet seasons. They're just as valuable and just as, uh, just as essential as the busy seasons. But Father, it is now the time for the, uns the unsticking of destinies. 
We thank you, Father God, that just as Paul made it to Rome, it's time for movement. It's time for movement. Father, I speak your blessing and your word over your people, and I thank you for a tremendous year of unstuck destinies. They're going to see great movement this year. From the beginning, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Shout hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Now, my friends, for those of you that you sense the power of God, you sense the fire of God, I want to give you an opportunity to sow into the prophetic soil of God's word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now and show you the amount that you should sow. Let's not only conclude this year and step into the new year strong, but just right where you're at right now. So your best seed, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and let this be your seed for your year of unstuck destinies. This is your year of unstuck destinies. Now, if you want to mail in an offering, please send it to Stephen Brooks International PO Box 717 Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. Now, for those of you that would like to sow into your year of unstuck destiny and you want to do it online, please go right now to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Look up at the top. There's a link that says give online. Click that. And as you click that, you'll see that you can give online. There's many different areas that you can give and go ahead and give God a gracious offering right now. Praise the Lord. And just thank him because it's from the Lord. It's the Lord's power. The Lord's the one that governs these things and controls these things. When your life is yielded to the spirit, it is the Lord that moves you forward in his timing. And he's moving you forward in this new season. Okay. So sow a seed and just say, God, thank you that this is my year of a, unstuck destiny and I'm moving forward by your grace and power. I'll tell you what the next thing, the next thing you knew Paul was on that ship and he's hitting. Now it was a long journey, but that that's okay. Why? Because he's on the way to Rome. Praise God. You're going to do everything that God has called you to do and you're going to get everything done that he's called you to accomplish. I need to let you know that this is going to be a really big year for you. Father, bless your people. I pray over their offering. I pray over their financial seed that you would multiply it back to them 30, 60, 100 fold. I, I'm even asking for the 100 fold, Father God, that as they're doing what you're instructing them to do by your Holy Spirit, I thank you. They're going to see miracles. Even within the first three months, they will see proofs that you are with them and that your spirit is riding on this word and it is propelling them forward at a very strange level of speed. Oh God, we give you praise in Jesus name. We all say, amen. Amen. Before you leave, let's do something very special together. Let's take Holy communion. I want you to grab some grape juice and unleavened bread. Now listen, listen to me. You will not forget this prophecy. You will not forget this word of the Lord. This will not become just like another sermon that you heard, but this word of this being your year of unstuck destinies, this is the year you're going to see tremendous movement and you will remember this word and you will celebrate what God has spoken to you 
and you will see it really, really working. Praise God. So as Abraham cut covenant with God, when we take communion, this is a covenant meal that we celebrate with the Lord. So let's pray over it right now. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the Lord's body, as we receive his flesh, we thank you that you still speak today. We thank you that you give prophetic directions and instructions. And we thank you that January 1, 12 o'clock midnight, we roll into the new year. We thank you that this is our year of unstuck destinies. We thank you, Father God, that no matter how little movement there's been, even if something is rusted or seized up, you're going to begin to move it and lubricate it. And the provision is coming. Connections, friendships, uh, necessary relationships with trustworthy people. It's all coming. It's a package deal. We give you praise. Father, thank you for the Lord's body. We believe it. We receive the, the words, Lord, the Lord's word in Jesus name. Woo. Amen. Amen. There's a healing anointing coming. Get ready. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Some of you have been stuck on prescription drugs for, for 10 years. And it's been so long since you did not have something synthetic or some kind of thing in your body that was, you know, used to treat or diagnose or whatever it is, an illness. It's been so long you almost forgot what it was like to have good health. I tell you what, God's going to get you unstuck out of that area of sickness or disease, get you back up on your feet. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for cleansing from all sin. We thank you, Father God, for righteousness, self-control, and that we can be ready ahead of time for the judgment, because every time we take communion, every time we have fellowship with you, O oh God, it, there is a sense of a righteous judgment where we want everything to be right with you. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise. Thank you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Woo, amen and amen. I tell you, I see you taking your promised land this year. I see you possessing your possession. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, we don't want to get possessed. Oh, no. Uh, this stuff of people getting, you know, messed with the devil, whatever that, you know, no, it, you're going to get your possession. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Nobody under the sound of my voice will have any kind of possession. Not even your toe will be possessed by the enemy. Hallelujah. We know he can't possess your spirit anyhow, but no part of you will have any place of possession. No place in your house where the devil's hanging out. No place in your elbow where some kind of evil spirit is causing pain. No, the only possessing going around will be you possessing your possession, which is your inheritance that God has given to you. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's receive together. Woo, glory. Glory. Glory to God. Somebody, you're listening to me, and whatever that thing is that has bound you is coming off of you right now. That stiffness, that inflexibility, even in your lower back, that immobility, 
immobility. Hallelujah. That thing that you couldn't move, that stuff is beginning to come off of you right now and begin to go ahead and exercise that part of your body. Begin to move around as God's healing power is going over your body, through your body right now, bringing healing to you. Father, we give you praise. I speak healing over the finances of your people. Receive freedom, receive miracle money, receive breakthroughs into high levels of kingdom wealth in the name of Jesus. Praise God. There are those listening to me right now under the sound of my voice. You've had some problems with some demons and uh, they're bothering you at night. Some, some of you are even having uh, like certain type of demonic manifestations during the day. I break that off of your life now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Freedom to you. Freedom to your mind, to your soul in the name of Jesus. I command that thing harassing your body, that dark evil presence come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Hallelujah. That dark cloud around your mind, I break that depressing spirit off of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. There will be quite a few people this year that are listening to me that have heard this word. Watch how much weight you're going to lose this year. Watch how much weight you're going to lose this year. Woo. Praise God. Amen. Why? It's a year of movement. It is a year of movement. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is touching your people like sunshine coming through a clear window, refreshing the soul. Father, bless them, strengthen them. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Father, for those that might not even still be able to identify the destiny or the fulfillment of the things that, that they're supposed to do, even as they sleep tonight, let there be clarity. Let there be an unveiling of high destiny. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is flowing right now, and you are re revealing to them in this season the purpose of their life, not just to, to eat, breathe, and sleep and work, but to have a purpose and a destiny and to accomplish it. Thank you, Father God. Oh, God, we give you praise right now in the name of Jesus. Those of you that are musicians, uh, there will be new music written this year that will you catch it from a download. You catch it from a download. And while, yes, you're the author of the music and there will be even royalties received from it. But nevertheless, nevertheless, you know that God gave that song to you. You heard it and it, you picked it up by the spirit. And you know it came from God. Get ready to receive downloads. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. Father, I pray for those that have traveled involved in their upcoming year for traveling mercies, even traveling angels to be with them. As many will be in new places, even strange places they have never been before. But, oh God, you are with them. And the angel that you've assigned to them for travel will go with them also. Father, for some... They have known for years and years and years that they will travel to a certain place. And this is the year. This is your year. You'll go there. Praise God. Do your part. Do your part. Do your part. If it's international, make sure your passport is up to date. 
Do your planning and things along that line. You don't want to go there when it's winter, <laughs> you know, plan all that out. Amen. But it's going to happen this year. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you all of the praise and all of the glory. We thank you that the enemy will not steal the seed of this word, but that the seed of this word goes into the heart of your people, producing the 100 fold return. We thank you in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. And amen, amen, amen. Those of you that are receiving a tangible touch from God, email me. Let me know. Contact at stephenbrooks.org. Contact at stephenbrooks.org because I know God's moving in your life. Thank you for watching. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers from this ministry. We love you. My wife and I and our entire team, we are praying for you. This is your year of unstuck destinies. Go get it. God bless you. Bye-bye.